All right, I got you. Um, what are you do? What are you doing around around noon tomorrow? I'll hit you up around about eleven, eleven in in the morning. Set up a time. For sure. I got you. I <laughs> brought peace. Yo, hello. We back again. I said we back again. This is America. Hey, Eloy, Lamont, Candace, originally me, Donald, Raheem. We want to do part two. But this is the uh, the Saturday version of the Friday at Cold Talk with Ryan. So I'm just waiting for Ryan to jump in. Uh, we're not going to keep y'all up too late, I promise, because I'm sleepy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thoroughly, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the, the Grand Inquisitor with with Nick and Truth Teller. So I'm just super stoked about what we're going to be doing over the next uh, moving forward here on out. So I'm super excited about that. <clears throat> Olivia, hey, how you doing? Jesse, hey. Yeah. Yeah, and I, like I said, I will put everything um, on the main page because uh, I'm sure other people are not privy to this backup channel, which is cool, you know, so. You need to do it every week. I ain't, man, nah, I, I would love to. I don't I don't have the, the, the time or the energy to do it every week. I'd, I'd burn out so quick. It wouldn't even be funny. Big B one hundred and three, what's happening, bro? Yeah, I wish I had the energy to do it every week. I just don't because you know I, I work a nine to five, so you know, and then I got many me, and you know what I'm saying. So I just can't, I can't be in two two different places, three places at once, unfortunately. So there he is, the started show. What's going on, bro? Mr. Sly, how are you tonight? I'm 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 here. I'm sorry everything's running so late and behind, man. Just is it's not enough time in a fucking day, I swear to you. Stuff your sorry's in the sack, bro. <laughs> you know, it's no big deal, man. How you doing? I'm good, bro. I went fishing earlier. I'm exhausted from lifting all week. I feel like someone beat me up. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm breathing. I'm good. A lot of people are worse off than we are. So right, 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 right. I Would you? Uh, grateful. You catch anything? Yeah, I caught like seven, but I just you know I do mostly catch and release. I just like catching. I, I've been fishing for bass since I was a young kid, man. Maybe okay. One time we'll have to talk about some stories or something, but that that's a different topic. That's what's up. Um. How you been though? Besides that, pretty good. You... I'm here. I, I I can't complain, man. I really normal, can't. Normal busy schedule. Yeah, being an, an adult and shit sucks, but you know it is what it is. I caught some of the tail end uh, uh, Nick and the uh, other brother on yeah. earlier. That was you know I I love it as always, man. You know I give props to you guys, especially you you know you OGs, man. I you know I try to absorb everything, and I appreciate the the um you know, everyone's perspective and different um opinions always. That's what's up. But now we here for you. So okay. Royal Rife. Royal there, Rife. Yeah, okay. get into it, my brother. So I think it's I don't know, maybe you did it on purpose though. You talked about the disease earlier that that's mutating. Honestly, I you know I, it was just uh something that was saved in my bookmarks and I was like, oh let me talk about this real quick. You know what I mean? So Okay, so it's just, you know, I mean, 
there we go again with the congruencies or the uh, coincidences, if you want to call it that. I like to try to connect the dots, like I always say. And I, I think it's funny you mentioned that and also that uh, it happened in New York City. And um, it's gonna some of that's going to tie into um, what I said. My comment was very simple, and I just put Sloan Kettering. Um, I don't know if you have ever heard of the Sloan Kettering Institute. I heard, I heard. I don't, I'm not well versed in it, but I've heard of it. Neither am I, bro. Um, some of my researchers have um, included that name, so I'm going to bring it up, and and it's just something I found. Um, I found very interesting that you know this um, mutated fungal uh, disease or virus, whatever you want to call it, is um, coming out of New York. But we'll address that in the future somewhat. Um, so before I go in, once again, you know, I always like to show you guys my sources. Go back to my book that I bought for $4 from my one buddy who basically, like, I was hunting at one point, hunting for deer, bro. And I'm going to tell the story real quick, but how I got this book, it's just interesting, right? So I'm hunting for deer, walking with my boy, and crunch, crunch, crunch. I'm like, oh, shit. I look down, and it's all glass bottles, right? So... On further inspection, I see that these bottles are, like, not newer bottles. They're, mm -hmm. like, from the 60s and beyond. So, I've found, like, I mean, I have some I could show you, but I, I'm going to grab one real, real quick. And, okay. and this is all related, but I'm, I'm, this is just has to do with how I got this book. And I'm not going to foray too, too fast, but if you could see this. some dust on there but this is uh what you call a hutchinson blob top right mm -hmm. and most people like haven't probably even seen one of these but this one actually has a stopper in it you used to have to like pinch the top and push it down to drink it like you know what i mean whatever was in oh this. okay gotcha gotcha so these are like super old that i don't know how much it's worth but those are at least like worth you know 20 bucks or but anyways so i found this bottle dump which you know to me is like uh one of my um minds my minds or my um indulgences i got on this earth just from you know doing my own set of good or you know spilling the beans in cert certain circumstances but long story short i used to trade this guy those bottles which i found in the woods and that's how i bought this book for only four dollars and i also would trade him those bottles for coins like old coins i'm a coin collector and I collect like old money and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, so my book, though, um, the suppressed inventions and other discoveries. Which I went to before when I brought up Schauberger and many other things. Um, By Jonathan Eisen. But, you know, I always want to show you guys where I'm getting a lot of this stuff from that I'm absorbing. So um, when I found this book, I you know I was highly interested and read it front to back now. But it's obviously pretty thick, you know, and there's a lot in there. There's everything in there from like watered powered cars and all kinds of stuff we could get into the future. But what I'm going to focus on, you know, without further ado, is this um, Royal Rife guy, and I'm just going to lead into the circumstances that lead to him becoming famous. Okay. Or just just so people get the atmosphere of where I'm coming from with this, um, as a um total, a total encapsulation of what I'm getting at here. But I think it is funny, like I said earlier, that you brought up the um, the mutated fungal virus or disease that's coming out of New York. It's it's all weird to me. But so 
Uh, we're going to start here at um, with Science Magazine in 1931. And what, what's interesting with this book is they, like, go back to, like, noted periodicals of the day. That I'm sure some of them are around, but a lot of them aren't. And also, um, like, this is going to be, like, a a past tense kind of video. Like, I'm bringing this up in past. But I feel this is going to affect our future and, and still even more has affected the future in, in ways that are incomprehensible. Obviously, we're, we're going to speak on it. But um, basically, you know, you have your holistic and different cures to things but like in my mind just like and it makes me think of shutter island but what the guy tells um the main character leo shutter island is the doctor he tells him um the standard practice is to put somebody in a corner and give them medicine and see how they react mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying they don't create cures they create treatments treatments for cures I'm, you know i'm sure a lot of people are aware of this but that's what this is dealing with basically and I'm using the past tense story of, of Roy Reif here to illustrate how long um, some of these technologies have been suppressed, basically. That's what I'm getting at here, Slack. Okay. But uh, I find it pretty interesting in, in the type of information and certain things that um, he divulged in, in some of his other colleagues, which I'm going to get into here. But so it starts with Science Magazine, a Science Magazine article in 1931 and a Smithsonian article. Um, and, and now what, what I have to bring up besides the 1934 USC cancer clinic. So like USC, the college, you know what I mean? This is in the thirties, early thirties here. So basically, um, I'm going to foray a little bit into the history of how all these, these arguments and, um, even the history of, I guess you could say cancer or different, you know, people in the scientific field and how they were disputed. Um, This is going to have to do with the AMA, American Medical Association censorship. Um, They labeled Royal Rife's findings a myth, basically, and all the things in these Smithsonian articles, even though basically after a while it was clinically proven. But now I'm going to get into even more backdrop into the history of this medical shit. So most people have heard of Louis Pasteur, correct? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm assuming that, you know, he was a guy that proved many things. Um, before Louis Pasteur came around, people still like, you know, in the civil war, they had to amputate so many legs and a lot of people died of infection because back then they didn't know that they didn't have proper sanitation. We'll just leave it at that. I don't have to get too far into it, but they didn't even understand like um, microorganisms and bacteria or any of that. So, um, everybody heard of Louis Pasteur, most people, but the the man who was forgotten in history was a, a, name, a, a man by the name of Pierre Bechamp, um, a Frenchman, I'm sure, like Pasteur was. But um, basically, he proved that bacteria could change forms, um, that, like, he, he proved in microzema, like the un, unseen effects, you know, past bacteria or microbiology like basically he was one of the guys who did that and he was proven over time to be correct over louis pastor in this or in this argument about you know these unseen things like he's the guy that this really came from apparently so in 1864 the um 
AMA came to power, the American Medical Association. You know, we have to speak upon them because they're the people who basically regulate um, practice and, and licensure in a form that I don't know if I was going to address this earlier, but I'll basically just, I, I guess I could just say it now, just in case I do forget to address it. Basically how they, and there's a lot that I, I absorbed and, and forgot. You're going to have to excuse me that it's not completely fresh in my mind, bro. But what the AMA did once they came to power in 1864, and then eventually like when they formed in 1901, they, um, manipulated their way into these state licensure brackets basically and they made it a racket is what they did so like to be associated with these these formation of doctors that that's what the american medical association was just a formation of doctors that agreed upon creating this um if you weren't licensed in their bracket you you'd be you know you couldn't practice medicine legally basically after they came around, they, they made that, you know, the thing. So the, the big guy, the like dictator of the AMA back then was a guy by the name of Morris, Morris Fishbein. I don't know if you've heard him maybe in passing, he's like an older guy, but I'm sure he had a lot eventually to do with the CDC even in different things. But Morris Fishbein is a name you're going to hear a lot. Okay. And, um, basically Benjamin Cullen was a guy who brought these uh, experiments that occurred and in, in all this um, information that came out in science magazine and in the Smithsonian articles about, you know, basically the, the microzyma, the unseen things in, in medicine, basically. So Benjamin Collin was around from idea to implementation. Um, and, and originally this fish buying guy, he tried to buy in to, um, you know, what they had going with this, you know, all this information. And of course, when he was turned down, he blackballed the cure eventually, you know, this cure that these men were, were beginning to develop this, that was, you know, his, his great uh, contribution, if you want to call it that he was one of the guys that um, favored um, different routes, primarily chemotherapy. We're going to get into that later. So there was another guy, um, by the name of Dr. R.T. Hamer, who actually had trials and cured people. Um, and here we'll have to, the, the, you know, they speak about like an 82-year-old man who came in with, like his face was completely covered. And um, that's funny because my beard is covered, but like his, I guess his face and neck was covered with a, a tumor and he was supposed to be hopeless. You know, he's 82 years old. He was like in, in terrible condition, like, and um, they they basically cured the man. Like the the story is is that after thirty six hours of these certain treatments that we're gonna get into, they basically <clears throat> can cure you. And that's what happened with this guy. So this is the type of stuff that Fishbein was trying to do. Like the, you know, people would have cancer or different viruses. Um, typhus. Typhus was one of the first things they studied. And once again, we'll get into that now. Um, this suppression, you know, people wrote in, in an article, a separate article that they said this was the most shameful hour. So between 
here's where Sloan Kettering comes in. Between 1930 and 50, this is where more of the research, cancer research comes in with the Memorial Sloan Kettering Center in New York City. Okay, and apparently they were also the largest center for pharmaceutical testing involving like all these antifungal, antibacteria, all these um, cutting edge pharmaceuticals that were supposed to call these problems at the time. And like I said earlier, now I think it's funny that that's basically the what they're saying was the center for pharmaceutical testing. And now, as you said, you stated in your article earlier, what that's where um, the viruses or the fungi are beginning to reject the drugs. So Mm -hmm. that would be where they got introduced at the earliest point. I found that very interesting. That's what I was getting at earlier. Not really, you know, too important, but I think that's related. Um, So Cornelius P. Rhodes was the guy involved with uh, the Sloan Kettering, and he was directly from the Rockefeller Institute, basically. Like, he came from them. So you could see, once again, how it's all tied together. And in my videos with the NSA, I basically addressed that also. And the way that they're, you know, go from the Tavistock to all the different branches and corporations and institutions, collegiate or not, um, private institutions or state. And in 1939, Cornelius Rhodes was the director. And um, he basically was one of the greatest advocate of chemo. And um, he prevented Irene Diller from announcing the discovery of cancer microorganisms to the like New York science of Academy in 1950. Okay. And then basically in the book, they speak on the medical cartel and how it's all related. Basically what I talked to you about just moments ago and how an NSA it's all connected. Like you can go look at that uh, flow chart. I'm sure somewhere online before I move on that Cornelius P Rhodes guy from 1943 to 45 before he you know, got his job there at Sloan Kettering. He was um, the head of chemical warfare service for the, the Navy. So something else of note. So now we're going to get into Royal Rife without further ado. All that was leading up to Royal Rife. And like I said, it was more fresh into my mind. I probably had more interjections, <laughs> you know what I mean, before slam. I apologize, but this is the crux of, like, what I wanted to get into. And at the end, you know me, bro. I can't just take, like, a book's word for it or any of my other sources. So I'm going to go and check some of the current sources. So what I did was just a quick YouTube search and looked at a couple videos. And one of them I also analyzed, and I'm going to speak on at the end and wrap it up. I'm going to try to be brief tonight and give you guys just a – you know, a, a a brief outlay of what I think about all this information, but I'm just trying to illustrate here about, I guess, mostly besides what a beautiful day it was. Was it nice where you were at today? Scott? Yes, it was. Okay. Yes, it so was. it was beautiful, very cloudless sky. And I don't want to be too uh conspiracy theorist oriented, but I'm pretty sure what I saw today was um weather manipulation firsthand. So like, me and my buddy are driving to the gym. I'm like, oh, there's a, a chemtrail. Oh, there's a, there's another one. And I tell them, usually what they do, they fly two separately against, you know, like next to each other. And then mm-hmm. they'll fly in a grid pattern. Yep. So there was very little. And I, you know, this is kind of conspiracy theory 
of me, I understand, but there's very little clouds in the sky. When I come out of the gym, there's like literally a, a wall of, of cloud that looks very artificial. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, we'll address chemtrails in the future, possibly, but like just really quickly, I, you know, I used to like go online and, and like troll these people and beef with these people who claim to be like chemtrail people, like that they were the people who did chemtrails and it got really like foul, you know, like to where like, uh, you know, we had heated words and like, you know, there's some guys threatening these people, but some of the stuff that they, that they said was ridiculous and we'll get into that in the future, but this is once again, is all related and um, what what I'm addressing here is is an arm of the depopulation agenda wing, okay. In essence, and and I'm sure we'll even speak on that also. But that's what I'm I, I really want you guys to realize here is that the reason why I'm so adamant about addressing this guy is because he and these other scientists had cures for some of the ailments that that people were um directly and and and. Um, consequently affected by because of the suppression of some of this 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 um, information and technology that they that they suppressed that they worked to suppress so that people would have less of a choice when dealing with cancers or other viral infections or viral diseases typhus and um, AIDS herpes anything like that anything that could um, be considered uh, incurable it's actually curable if if you're in the correct reign of technology institutions or know the the right people and have the right form of money as I'm sure a lot of you are realize, can realize. And I mean, I don't want to talk too much about magic Johnson and my theories about him, but like, need I say more? Um, so we're going to get into Royal Rife here. Royal Rife came weirdly enough. He was a very odd individual from, um, in 1913 from New York to San Diego, but he hailed from the Midwest, apparently like, like North of Oklahoma somewhere they say, but nobody really knows like where this guy was born, like his original town. They just say he comes from New York to San Diego. And that was when he got his foothold in all this, um, the medical fame, basically, I guess you can call it. And and he was regarded as as a genius. And that I like to study the the guys that other people in their field call geniuses because they're the, usually the most interesting. And that's why basically I just you know zoom through uh, the information about uh, Fishbein, who was like the dict- dictator guy, Benjamin Cullen. Who, by the way, Benjamin Cullen and, and that R. T. Hamer guy. These some of these guys were like super famous pathologists like they're not like just any run-of-the-mill doctors like these guys are like head of the pathology at um uh uc you know usc and stuff like that and in different prestigious institutions like i I didn't really touch on that because i'm more interested in royal rife and his connections but we're gonna keep going here so i found it very interesting that they said that during world war one he was in some sort of Navy intelligence slide. It always goes back to Navy intel, just like my buddy Bill Cooper, behold a pale horse, right? Um, but his job, slide was to go to these um, foreign labs, like in Russia or Ukraine or wherever the hell else, in World War One, And at the time, like, that's when um, biological and chemical warfare was huge. You know, they were actually gassing people. And it's funny because I'm sure Nick Taylor, if he's still listening in, you know, he was speaking on some of the shit like the BX sarin and different types of gas. 
but back then they were using um even stuff i think like argon gas and even more crazy shit because it was you know back then it's world war one like there was no when was the geneva convention written i'm not sure exactly but like this is the time that they started writing the geneva convention or around the time that um you know there was no man's land the evolution of technologies tanks came around um people went from standing it basically in trenches firing guns at each other to the development of machine guns that made it like that's not the wave like you could send a bunch of guys and they're not going to take over a trench because you're going to get mowed to hell down but i find it very interesting that royal rife's job was to go and investigate these foreign labs so like that was his basis of all this um information i guess you could say sly you get what i'm saying like he you know it's it, he's into some weird stuff mm-hmm. so in 1920 he made his first microscope that's when he invented his first microscope and uh, basically um the, the microscope in his system that he creates electronically destroys pathological microorganisms so not just viruses, diff- a lot of different things, but, but what he does in essence is stain the virus with a light. That's what the, the method of his, um, his original um, microscope was. He was staining the virus with the light so that these viruses that could never be even identified at first, now that they, they could be identified. And he was doing it by the light spectrum with these basically quartz microscopes. He had an array of quartz microscopes that he, I don't know how he thought to do this, but um, this is what he did. Now, his second microscope he invented was in 1929, exactly nine years later, around nine years later. And um, that's when that Los Angeles Times magazine was written after the development of these two microscopes. And that's what it featured besides, you know, some of the pathology work that was entailed in it. And that was released on December 27th, 1931, the Los Angeles Times magazine. So I'm not sure if you could go back and check these periodicals, but if you're that interested, you can probably find some info on this. Now, um, Basically, in 1932, that's when his the BX virus came out. That's what he entitled it. And we're going to uh, speak on that. And that's um, basically the founding that the the BX cancer discovery, like that's what he named his the fact that cancer was a viral and disease. Right. Mm-hmm. That that was his huge discovery in 1931 that before that, you know, he was um he was the only guy that, you know, held that belief that other people had no clue what caused cancer viruses to mutate cells. Um, after he discovered what he did, the uh, experiment was 104 times verified. So it was, it was very thorough to say the least, you know, um, I'm going to get into some of his colleagues real quick besides um, Hamer and the other uh, Colin, the previous guys I mentioned. There was a guy by the name of Dr. Arthur I. Kendall, and he was um, from Northwestern Medical University in Chicago. Is that still around? Mm, Yes. Pretty huge, I'm I'm assuming. So he was known for uh, artificial virus cultivation 
in K medium, which allowed these um, viruses basically to be spawned. You know, like he created the medium to um, in vitro make these these viruses in, in different labs and, and study them. So he was um, the reason why I have to bring him up is he was influential and consequential in all of um, Royal Rife studies. You know, he he worked hand in hand with these people. And another guy was Milbank Johnson, who was basically the head of the uh, Pasadena Hospital. Like, he, you know, he was a big shot at the Pasadena Hospital. And he was, like, apparently very well-to-do and very big in the medical association. He was basically, like, one of uh, um, Royal Rife's biggest backers um, financially and also just, you know, like, he believed in Royal Rife's genius, basically, and in, in the work that he was doing. Um, so... Um, before cancer, typhoid bacillus, the bacillus of typhus. Now, when I say bacillus, I mean like the small, the ingredient basically at an, at an atomic level that makes up the virus or, or, or the disease. That's what I mean when I say bacilli or bacillus. So that was the first thing that they worked with and they discovered, and it was 18 times verified. Okay. And this was November 22nd, 1931, huge announcement of discovery. And what Royal Rife did with these microscopes was a double quartz prism. That's like what he did with an array. And he used some kind of special oil, oddly enough. And it, it made the magnification go from 5,000 to 17,000 units basically which at that time was unheard of you know this was like in which apparently that was like you know better than most most anything at the time and i'm pretty sure comparable if not better than electron microscopes so in 1932 they discovered typhus polio herpes cancer and um a bunch of other cultures basically they were the guys that that um first identified and and cataloged all these cultures if you, if you want to you know call them that cult the cultures of diseases you know that's what they're into but you know i find this interesting that like you know nowadays we come from an era where like um because of the anthrax scare right you and i both and i'm sure everybody in the chat knows about anthrax but this is a type of shit that these guys were dealing with weird pathological diseases and um biological um mutate cell mutation diseases basically things things like that and i find it interesting that you know nowadays it's whatever to us we've heard of anthrax we've heard of these different things but back then these were the guys that were identifying um you know the the components of these different diseases basically in in short in essence so there's always going to be guys who come in to combat, you know, so, so Royal Rife's creating these microscopes that basically are, are proving um, all, all these other guys work. And, you know, there's people that gaining momentum and, oh yeah, he he's, he's headed towards a cure. And now that we've identified these things, we can try to combat them or, you know, apparently they believed in Rife enough to know that he was, you know, had more up his sleeve, but there's always the naysayers. So there's two guys, Dr. Rivers and, Dr. Zinser, they basically Rockefeller sent them in, you know, like the Rockefeller Institute sent them in to, sh to try to shut down what was going on. And um, 
there's a, another guy that's named Dr. Rose now that actually, though, that from the Mayo Clinic, that actually had also had his back, that, you know, had Royal Rife's back, and he was very important, important and prominent in the Mayo Clinic. He was one of the, you know, the original founders of the Mayo Clinic. He's a huge pathologist, and um, actually John Hopkins Medical Library is named after that guy. So Dr. Rose now, I don't know if anybody's been to John Hopkins Medical, but um, it's named after him. So he's I guess he's kind of a big deal in the medical industry, John Hopkins being one of the largest schools, or, or the most prominent schools, not largest, excuse me. But basically... Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and use that book and read this letter really quick to you. That's from Rose now to Kendall. And that's on page 134 of my book. And then I'm going to get into the BX cancer virus discovery and um, the rest of what I have. And then we're going to wrap it up and we could take questions or you, you know, if you have any questions for me, so I, I know I'm a little bit scatterbrained tonight, but, just bear with me. Now nah, you good. We rocking with you. Yeah, just the the, the main crux is, is what we're going to get to with this BX virus here. And um, it, it's all tied into the depopulation agenda. But, you know, what what you got to remember is that um, the, a lot of diseases they're saying are incurable or you only have one path or uh, holistic might not work. Oh, chemo is your only option or um, invasive surgery. That's all bullshit. I'm here to tell you. Um. So, page 134 here. Okay, so this is um, three days after departing from Rife in Chicago, like at the Mayo Clinic. Rose now wrote, a, wrote Rife from the Mayo Clinic, okay? So, after seeing what, one, what your wonderful microscope will do, and after pondering over the significance of what you revealed with its use during those three strenuous and memorable days spent in Dr. Kemble's laboratory i hope you will take the necessary time to describe how you obtain what physicists consider the impossible so like you know this is a guy who's highly esteemed writing this to dr kendall about rife and kendall's work so he said physicists com- consider impossible what what the, the things they're describing with these um basically pleomorphic um viruses and i'm going to you know get into what pleomorphic means but as i visualize the matter your ingenious method of illumination with the intense monochromatic beam of light is of even greater importance than the enormously high magnification okay so and, and it says here rosenau was right the unique color frequency staining method like i said that basically this microscope that in these methods he developed would basically stain the bacilli or the, um, you know, the, these microscopic organisms that are related to the, you know, the cancer virus or whatever virus it basically would stain them with a light wave or a frequency wave so that they would appear in this microscope. And otherwise they were un you couldn't see them. Okay. At the time there was no, you know, they, they didn't have the best uh, electromagnetic microscopes back then and and this was the new hot shit, okay? So, years later, after the arrival of television, an associate of the, the then-deceased Rife would explain, 
The viruses were stained with their frequency of light, just like colors are tuned in on television sets. Okay? It was the best non-technical description ever conceived. Okay, so that guy's description was pretty good. Back then, you had to dial in the color, and I'm sure you you guys know you can switch, you know, the color and settings of your TV from different, you know, videos or video games, whatever the hell you're trying to do. But back then, they had to actually adjust the color, and that's what they were doing. They were light staining these different um, bacilli of these different viruses with this micro with this microscope that was previously uninvented. So. What he was saying is, yeah, the the magnification that your microscope provided was great, but the true gift that you're giving to, to medicine is that you're you're using the frequencies in in the quartz microscope to stain the bacilli so that they could be identified. Because once they're identified, then they could work towards finding a solution or or you know uh, creating something to actually put forth their. Um, hypothesis into play let's just put it that way so i want to address the bx cancer virus discovery which was 104 times verified in the the four the four forms basically of the bx cancer virus so um bx here is basically carcinoma and number two is by number three is monococcoid okay and that that's when you have traces of monocytes of in your blood now I never dealt with cancer. My aunt had cancer and, and passed away, but I'm not well versed on cancer, but I did learn a little bit about it through this stuff. But this is basically back then, you know, they, they knew nothing about cancer. This is like the the precursor to, you know, what, what, what was learned here and cry, cry for, excuse me, was cryptomyces. Okay. Which is a pleomorphic fungi. Okay, that's found also in orchids and mushrooms. So the stuff that makes up cancer in essence is technically related to orchids and mushrooms. I found that interesting. That is very interesting. And and strange. You know what I mean? And so before I forget, like when even when I was a child, um, I always thought that like for every disease or every ailment, there's like some holistic cure. Like mm-hmm. I just, I always thought that intuitively, whether that's the truth or not, you know, is beside me. But like, I've even heard about like, uh, like soursop. I yeah. Um, that's, that's huge. Uh, with the cancer treatment, the, exactly. the fruit, um, it's hard to get same thing with the juice. Um, it's hard, it's hard to get. Okay. And, um, also like, uh, I guess you could speak about very different fringe things like there, you know, there, if I really want to, and maybe in the future, I don't want to get into the cancer stuff too much because it's depressing, but there's also a guy named Harry Hoxie who um, I studied and he had his own battles with the AMA and people telling him he was fraud, but apparently he practiced in Mexico for many, many years and all. Yeah. Heard of him. Yep. He's yep. in this book as well, bro. There's actually a list of all like the shit that, is in his compound because and interestingly enough, this is all tied together, which is why I want to address it. And before I forget, besides Harry Hoxie, who he said that his grandfather found the cure because a horse basically self-diagnosed itself and would eat certain herbs. So he went out and collected those herbs and made a, um, a oral, a digestive, um, basically, compound and also like a salve for the skin or for whatever lesion the horse had and cured the horse 
So after he cured the horse with whatever salve he made, um, he actually um, wanted, you know, using it on people. But it's all listed in this book, funny enough. And uh, Rick Simpson, um, have you heard of Rick Simpson oil? Okay, so, you know, I'm like, I know a lot about like the, 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 um, the medical marijuana industry and different stuff like that, just because I have friends out in Cali and that's what they're into naturally. I'm a smoker, you know, we'll just leave it at that. But there's a guy named Rick Simpson who had a cancer tumor on his nose, I'm pretty sure. And he found that if you get full plant extract, like, like he would use alcohol to absorb all the stuff in, in plants from a uh, marijuana plants and he combined it with uh coconut oil and, and different things and, and he ate it and self-diagnosed himself and he was said to have also cured his own cancer so and you could look that up rick simpson oil rso they they refer to it as rso and now in a lot of states they have it where you could actually go and get it out of the dispensary it's like common now and uh like a lot of people aren't even aware of it that that's Rick's RSO came from Rick Sim. It's Rick Simpson oil is the acronym. You could look that up also. Maybe we'll have to speak on that in the future, but all this is related. What I'm getting at is that they press into your head. Chemotherapy is your only option basically now, because in essence, it's the most profitable. Okay. So in 1953, there's basically a, a book written that said that um, all all the 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 BX like this cancer virus can basically be turned back in 36 hours. That's what that's what um these guys claim. Like that's what Royal Rife really really proved. Like that's this is that this is the the major message here, and he proved that um the virus the cancer virus is pleomorphic, meaning it it can change in sizes going from uh the cryptomyces like i said the 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 small bits of fungus or like in the monocoycides which is the monocytes in your blood in, until it develops into carcinoma you know like a cancerous tissue so that was in 1953 that book was published basically stating that in 36 hours the cancer could be reversed that's what royal rife claimed that's what he he basically proved and um the fact of pleomorphism the fact that that's how cancer operates it, that was 300 times verified in these studies um and also it, it says here that me, the metabolism is key so like um <laughs> basically the metabolism of that uh cancer virus is di directly connected to your health like how healthy you are like your alkalinity different things like that like they they stress that now the bx frequency the the what he proved to stain the bacilla of the cancer virus that was proven 400 times so now he's identified it and basically can claim to reverse it okay so in the summer of 1934 sly there were 16 terminally ill people brought to a place called Scripps Ranch all right, and, and this is the you know the end of my spiel for tonight. You know, I don't want to get into it too long. It's almost twelve, but I just wanted to come on and try to light some fire into people who like, you know, because I'm sure everybody's lost somebody to cancer, right? Like, and I used to say I don't know anybody who did, but then 
uh, two of my mom's friends died and my aunt died. So, like, this shit's sad, but I, I, I kind of have to address some of this stuff here. Yeah, nowadays it's like it's the main thing to, 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 to die from is cancer. Like, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who did na- die of natural causes these days, you know? You know, and or heart disease and different things like that. Mm-hmm. But and, and you know, we we're we're victims of our of our own demise, also, Sly. Like we, you know, you have to eat right. You have to get your. And I think the information era is out. Era is out, and people are getting it more together. But all this shit is related, like your health and uh, the things you digest. You know, corn syrup being high, high fructose corn syrup being and everything. The ills of sugar. Need we say more? I mean. I didn't know that you were into bodybuilding that much and knew like a lot about cycles and shit, bro. Like mm-hmm. I was trying to list cause I have no clue. Like I work out heavy, but like, that's just, you know, I was never really into the shit, but like, that's very interesting to me. You know what I mean? And how I'm sure, you know, how your, your metabolic rate affects your body and yeah. everything else you got going on, bro. It's all very interesting, but I don't want to get too off topic. And I have one more ex- excerpt to read and, you know, we can get to the rest of the little video I watched so that if you guys want to go back and it, this is only an eight minute video and you could go listen to this lady talk, Dr. Christine Gibbons, who is, this is like a more current, you know what I mean? This is something she's pushing into the foray, which was from the past, which I find interesting that a lot of these suppressed technologies are apparently coming back to the forefront. It's, you know, they were hidden in, uh, in the, um, the vaults of the AMAs in, in um, different people's minds. But, you know, here they're going to come out to the forefront, I'm sure enough. But so in summer 34, 16 terminally ill people brought to the Scripps Ranch. They were they were considered hopeless, basically, Sly. OK, they, they were done for terminally ill, hopeless. Nobody had nothing for them. Y'all are going to die. Royal Rife tells them, come on. OK. Come to the Scripps Ranch. After three months, 14 hopeless people, they were completely cured. Okay, with the treatments and uh, the clinic that was put on in the summer of 1934. 16 terminally ill people, their cancer was reversed. That's crazy, man. Right? And, And like, man, I just got chills come over my body. And it's messed up. Like people beat cancer with chemo, right? It happens. You know what I mean? I grew up with, and I, it's funny because I forgot how the gravity of it. My one buddy, I don't know if I mentioned before, my one of my best friends, like, you know, committed suicide when we were younger. It's still mess. You know, it's sad that it happened. But like he used to mess with his brother. He was like a wild motherfucker, man. Excuse my language, but he used to call his brother Freddie Cancer Carolina because. They had to go, Fred had leukemia when they were children. They had to go to Kent, Carolina for him to retrieve, receive treatment, and he actually beat it. So mm-hmm. here I am telling you, oh, I didn't know nobody was cancer. I forgot my buddy Fred had it as a child. So, and he actually beat it. I'm, I'm sure he got, he had chemo back then because all his hair fell out. He was bald for a while. It's sad, but like, um, there's a guy who, you know, he was cured and he was able to beat the odds with chemo, which as you know, destroys a lot of people's body and is very um, invasive. This procedure, which they use at Scripps Ranch, is completely non-invasive, okay? And that's what this Christine Gibbons lady speaks on in this video, is basically how 
like, you know, they have like diagrams and stuff in the video, but how it works basically when they use chemo fly, I don't know how well versed you are, but they basically are vibrating at a cellular level. They're vibrating your cells at such a rate to where the vibration causes the heat and the heat kills the cancer cell. Okay. But what happens is all the cells around it that aren't damaged Okay, we're half damaged. They're all killed as well. So all the cells are killed and have to reborn, rebuild. Mm-hmm. With Royal Rife's system, they're stained. And then he uses, and this is where I find it interesting. This is my supposition. He doesn't say this, but what I believe, and from what I've read, it's hard to explain, but in how the guy explained it, when they tune in these certain bacilli to a certain color with the frequency by making it vibrate and they would color stain that color. What I think is that, um, and it's funny because it's also in that book to where you can heal people with certain colors just by visually inducing colors to them. Like they say, if you have a room that's brown or blue, excuse me, you, you, you'll have more of a cooling effect, you know what I mean? To where if the room's red, you'll be more angry or passionate or, you, you know, I'm sure you've heard things like that. Right. Well, it even works on a microscopic cellular level to where what he was doing with these uh, quartz and, and oil arrays and frequencies was staining the bacilli so that he could then tune the frequency of the bacilli to the treatment which it would best react to. So the frequency would match up in the case of the typhus. When they first saw it, it looked turquoise. Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So they would then get the frequency to correlate with the turquoise and then it would work, work naturally with it. You know, it's, it's that simple. So I got one more excerpt to read and, you know, and I'm going to get into my little, my little, uh, Christine Gibbons information, which is very short. And then we can wrap it up for the night, take questions, whatever else. But like, yeah, I get sometimes fired up, but it kills me that in 1934, 16 people who were, uh, basically termed goners, they were brought back from the dead, apparently by this, uh, information that was buried that I found in a book I got for four dollars. <sighs> okay, so here's the new excerpt. Scripps Ranch. Okay, he wrote this is about Scripps Ranch and what happened at Scripps Ranch. This is why I wrote this down. In the summer of 1934, 16 terminally ill people with cancer and other diseases, other diseases also, not just cancer, like, but incurable diseases, apparently, at the time, were brought to Scripps Ranch. There is rife and the doctors worked on human beings for the first time. They learned much. In 1953, when Rife copyrighted his book, he made the real report of what happened in 1934. He wrote, with the frequency instrument treatment, No tissue is destroyed, as I said, way less invasive than chemo. No pain is felt in chemo. What do people always complain about? How much pain they feel, how how terrible it is. No noise is audible and no sensation is noticed. A tube lights up and three minutes later, the treatment is completed. The virus or bacteria is destroyed and the body then recovers itself naturally from the toxic effect of the virus or bacteria. Several diseases may be treated simultaneously. 
My first clinical work on cancer was completed under the supervision of Milbank Johnson, the man I spoke of earlier, MD, which was set up under a special medical research committee of the University of Southern California, USC. 16 cases were treated at the clinic for many types of malignancy. After three months, 14 of these so-called hopeless cases were signed off as clinically cured by the staff of five medical doctors and Dr. Alvin G. Ford, F-O-O-R-D, MD, pathologist for the group. Their treatments consisted of three minutes duration using the frequency instruments that were set on the mortal auxiliary rate for the BX cancer at three-day inter- interval. So basically what I was telling you about how they stained it, he, he basically calibrated so that it would eliminate the BX cancer virus in that array due to the color it had, which was like uh, bluish red purple. They said like a mix, like a tinge. That's how it appeared as typhoid or typhus, you know, bacilli would appear turquoise, hmm. you know, in, in, in difference. It was found that the elapsed time between treatments attained better results than the cases treated daily. So you're talking about a treatment to where it's better for people to, to have breaks in between because it's almost like a holistic treatment. And after he's doing this treatment with the frequencies, the body recovers on itself. This gives the lymphatic system, your lymph nodes, basically, an opportunity to absorb and cast off the toxic condition which is produced by the devitalized dead particles of the BX virus. So basically, it's there's less... Um, less of a reissuance of malignancy or uh, the pleomorphic state would be minimized completely is what he's saying. So instead of the cancer virus growing, it's actually declining. No rise of body temperature was perceptible in any of these cases above normal during or after the frequency instrument treatment. No special diets were used in any of this clinical work, but we sincerely believe that a proper diet compiled for the individual would be of benefit. Hmm. December 1st, 1953. And then he goes uh, to list, you know, uh, just a, uh, I'm going to go through this real quick, just so you can see the people who were involved and how weird this is. Waylon Morrison, chief surgeon of the Santa Fe Railway. George C. Doc, MD, internationally famous. George C. Fisher, MD, Children's Hospital in New York. Arthur I. Kendall, Dr. Zeit, MD, Professor of Pathology at Chicago University, Rufus B. Von Kleichschmidt, President of the University of Southern California, Dr. Couch and Carl Meyer, PhD, Head of the Department of Bacteriological Research at the Hooper Foundation in San Francisco, Dr. Hops at a Metabolic Clinic in La Jolla signed all 14 reports and knew all the tests from his personal observation. So, like, these weren't a bunch of kooks, dude, is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? These guys were... Esteemed people in their in their uh, distinguished fields. So basically, this method came out, and and since it was less profitable than chemo, uh, Fishbein quelled this technology, and um, that was it. So instead of the sound treatment, color frequency, three days less invasive, and apparently. Um, 14 out of 16 terminally ill people were reversed. So, like, you could still be terminally ill and be saved is, is what they're getting at. Early detection's out the window. This this isn't... We're not talking early detection. We're talking... These people are goners. Oh, 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 is that right? Okay, Royal Rife says no. Let's bring them back from the dead. So, 
I'm done speaking on Royal Rife, but you can see why, like, you know, his genius was so um, apparent that this guy was doing this shit in 1934. All right. Um, so I want to get into Dr. Christine Gibbons here. And um, she's spoken like an eight minute video if you want to look it up. And, and you could just look um, sound to destroy cancer. Basically, that's what she's speaking on using sound to destroy cancer. The same thing Royal Rife, in essence, was doing all these years ago. And this is, you know, a current talk she's given. It was actually a TED talk. I don't know if you've heard of, you know, that series or yep. I, I'm not really into that shit, but yeah, like I like more independent friends. Than, I'd rather come support you. You know what I mean, bro? Like, or go listen to O'Shea and all the, the crazy, uh, wonderful people <laughs> on O'Shea's channel. I love it, man. Uh, they, they chop it up on there too. And I only know about O'Shea because of you, but obviously, you know, my loyalties lie here at home and like I, Ted talks is whatever, right? I'm here. But if you want, go check out Christine Gibbons because she's a look into the future. And now a guy associated with her is Dr. Charles Kane from Michigan university. And he's basically, um, another guy who, who's into the sound, you know, overheat like he's into the treating cancer with sound overheat heat is chemo sound is this more minimally invasive and apparently a better procedure but i'm sure it's more expensive that's got to be the key without me even knowing i'm pretty sure that besides the fact that the ama blackballed him it has to the equipment will probably be more expensive it's like in pursuit of happiness when like uh you know, you got a Will Smith running through the streets trying to sell goddamn bone density scanners and everybody has fucking x-rays. It's the same thing going on here. They want to go with chemo because it's you can make more money and it's probably cheaper to provide the the, uh, the services. There, there will be less centers of study or less medical centers with this technology. But Histosonic, okay, um, is their company... And they basically created an ultrasonic transducer that um, shoots waves through the tissue. So they've taken some of the the previous technology and and compounded it and made it their own, uh, essentially. And this is just one of the videos that I looked to verify to see how far this technology has come or if there's anybody pushing this stuff. And this is the first lady I found, Dr. Christine Gibbons, her colleague, Dr. Charles Kane. And, And she's openly addressing how uh, the, basically the things I'm speaking to you guys now, how the chemotherapy isn't the wave in so many words, but the, her company is histosonic and they're pushing this technology to the forefront today. And it's funny, but, and, and I'm going to end here, slide, but before I forget, like I, it was kind of corny, but she like held up some picture and I think it was like, um, so like she held up a picture and said, Oh, this is the picture that, um, one of the clients that their company helped mm-hmm. that I think she was from Barcelona, Spain. You, if you watch the video, you'll see this, but the little girl like drew a picture of the Dr. Gibbons and like the other doctors, you know, and, cause she said that you're my heroes. Cause you saved my mommy's life. You know what I mean? Um, they basically, uh, I'm not sure when, if it was in 2014 or 16 or when it's a more current video is what I'm getting at. But they're still using this technology to help people, apparently, bro. But it's just once again pushed to the to the background and uh, suppressed invention, pretty much. Now, 
you know, if you have any questions or you want to take any questions and that's all I have for you tonight, bro. I tried to keep it to like an hour. No, I appreciate that. It's a few things I learned. I didn't, I didn't realize that, uh, those first set of 16 uh, back in the 30s. So that was, that's dope to hear. Um, I just want to give a shout out, shout out real quick to, to Big B103 for the for the, uh, the super chat. Um, nah, man. Like I said, you, you came to say what you got to say. And um, I, I just remember that list of all the holistic doctors that came up, I think, a few months ago. And they're all pretty much dead. Murdered. Yeah. Yeah. yeah under crazy circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, um, then there's more and more, and, and like I said, that um, there's certain people who even figure out like a different protein chains and and peptide chain, different weird fringe things that these people end up getting killed too. That like, oh, if you cut this out of your diet and add this and that, then it. I I know exactly what you mean with the, all the holistic doctors, the different methods, and what it comes down to is that, that I feel that the that medical cartels has at, at hand to, uh, to lose, to lose a foothold on the industry that they created. At this mm-hmm. point. They see the money they've, they've gained the money. And I mean, let's be honest. One of the last times I was in the hospital, I, like I had an infection, you know what I mean? It's just something minor ingrown hair type thing okay would i go in there to get an iv because i didn't want an ingrown hair to turn into something more serious you know and uh i go to get a a regular old antibiotic and like i have uh problems with my skin and mouth because i need myself in the face when i was younger crazy story but like basically smash my teeth and like you know have a lot of dental issues now but uh Long story short, I sit down in the chair and the, the um I'm younger at the time, but I was still under um like I still had an, an insurance. So I sit down in the doctors. I was younger. Be oh, you have insurance or not? He expected me not to have insurance. I told him I had, I had insurance. He was like, yes, you know. I was like, dude, what the fuck? Uh... Like, he's like, no, I didn't mean it like that. I'm like, listen, dude, I know exactly how you meant it. Like, and I'm I'm not trying to get too much into a, a corny story, bro, but like. The medical industry is built upon uh, the paycheck. They're not there to even help people anymore. So right. like, his first concern was whether whether or not the, the insurance was going to foot the bill for the, the care he was providing. I mean, not that, uh, you know what I mean? He He's thinking, I'm going to get that bill and rip it up. Get it in the mail and rip it up. But, um, it, you know, you look to these people for help and, and really they're in it for the profit. It's sad, but that's just the way it is like anything else, just like college or, you know, banking, a lot of things that, you know, they'll get you at every turn slot. But yeah, I, um, like you said, I, I found it very interesting that in 1934, you know, they had a clinical trial and these weren't, like I said, early detection people, like where they caught it or, there was a great chance that they'd make it. No, these were people that were written off to die and um, the, their conditions were reversed. And I, I just, you know, I, I felt that even though I didn't have too much time tonight, I wanted to touch on a, a subject that was um, profound to me. And, and and like I said, once again, it's, it's kind of mind blowing that it happened in 1934, you know, and here we are in 2019 and people were still dying of cancer. Yeah, I got a couple questions for you. Uh, Eclectic Tyrone, thank you for the super chat. He wants to know what's your take on the 1918 Spanish flu. 
uh, the swine flu and Ebola. So, um, as I alluded earlier, like with the anthrax, you know, scare and, and how that happened, um, Ebola and a lot of these these different chemicals. Well, in, in what I think is, um, I think they're all related to the uh, depopulation agenda. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, the the Black Plague was was a lab made um, pandemic, if you want to call it that, right? Because back then, like, how many, you know, were there labs? Well, maybe there were. But what I'm getting at is that uh, all these um, pandemics that came around, whether it be Spanish flu or um, Ebola or even um, certain things like malaria, um, I feel that there has to be some kind of medical uh, treatment or some reversible um, way to deal with, with, with things that, that we're afflicted with in, in any circumstance. But I feel that, like I said, that the medical um, establishment is set up to only be profitable so that, um, in, in essence, they want more treatments, not more cures. So uh, those people who are holistic doctors who find cures for certain things, they're silenced, and that's just the way it is. So, um, you know, they always silence the people who are the true, um, I don't want to say revolutionaries, but the people who actually can change things or lead people to a different way of doing things. And, And I think that in all those different circumstances of the pandemic, some of them could be lab created. Some of them may have been due to the circumstances and lack of knowledge about, um, you know, bacteria and different viral infections or different things. But um, at the end of the day, I think that the depopulation agenda is alive and well. And I like I for AIDS, like, um, how shrouded is the mystery of how AIDS was, was found and developed. And a lot of people say, Oh, people contracted AIDS because, you know, monkeys in a certain area when they were, you know, they had an issue with monkeys or this and that or monkey blood got on. So, okay. That's all. Yeah. Right. Right. But at the end of the day, there's a group of people who feel that AIDS was released into the population. Right. Sly. So, I. I don't have to extrapolate on, on all those conspiracies, but um, I, I think that it's like Nas says, and I always say there's a war going on outside. No man is safe from. So like, there's a lot of forces that um, want, want your demise to be eminent. And like, I'm going to end with this is it, it, it's funny that he, you know, he raised the different pandemics or different diseases over time, but like, with the, the new thing you just brought up, Sly, and, and how I said that um, the Sloan Kettering was, you know, the pharmaceutical testing grounds for all this stuff. I'm not trying to be too uh, apocalyptic, but do you remember in, um, oh man, I Am Legend, right? Yes. What what was it that they, they had some invention for? It was a cure for cancer. Was it? Oh, cure for cancer. Yeah. Perfect. And then, then that made all the people mutate into zombies. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I hate to say it, but like we always say, these these movies, um, 
they can be foreshadowing and I'd, i hopefully that that isn't the case obviously let's all hope that's not the case because like nobody wants to see will smith strangle his fucking zombie dong in the lab <laughs> i mean it's tough I, I don't care how tough you are but um at the end of the day certain some of that stuff might be might not be too far from fiction is what i'm getting at Slash, you see what i'm saying i agree i agree it's always them curing something else. It turns into something else. Just like the the, uh, the Zika virus in uh, World War Z. It was exactly. a, initially it was a cure for something that turned to something else. It's just like, wow, you are really going to keep pushing this shit. Okay. But and, but no, that it's funny that, you know, before I even address the stuff about Royal Rife tonight, that that's what you, you know, you posted and, and we're speaking on. And as you heard me say out of my own mouth, that uh, at, at one time Sloan Kettering was the pharmaceutical testing ground in america so um if you want any type of evidence for why um maybe that that uh this strain of um pleomorphic fungus or or um i get not it wouldn't be pleomorphic what do they say that it, it I, I forget the word but it rejects any medicine you pan know? uh pan res, pan resistant basically resist yeah, yeah. it's it resistant to any medicine so where where's the breeding ground for something like that going to happen? Well, maybe where they were testing all the pharmaceuticals, where the the strongest um, the strongest uh, would survive, if you will. You you know what I mean? That's that's where it would come from. Uh, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, I'm just going to leave it at that. But great question, you know. I think um, it all ties back to the depopulation agenda, bro. They, you know. Um, who was it? Bill Gates is like, he, you know, he, he even quotes about how he thinks like the population is too far. And, you know, they had it on the auspice of, Oh, the world's overpopulated and uh, cities will be unlivable or there's going to be too much uh, pollute. That's all bullshit. Like, yeah, not, not, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe all land is cultivated. Um, not everybody wants to go live in fucking South Dakota, but I don't know how dense it is in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. I know when I go to New York uh, and cross the street on like, you know, uh, 6th Avenue or 7th Avenue and, and, and 55th, it, there's uh, 4,000 people walking across the street with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I've never been to South Dakota, you know, I, t Idaho. I don't even know if it exists. You know what I mean? But, you know, they want to push it. Uh, the world's overpopulated. I, I, I don't see it. You know what I mean? I just, I think that that's uh, a false scarcity. You know, I think that the people who are in power are in power because they provide fear. They don't provide love. They're, they're all mm -hmm. about fear and keeping people in the dark. But, you know, look look no further than guys like Bill Gates for him. You know, certain, what did they say? He was giving out shots in Africa or some somewhere, and then everybody ended up getting some other god awful disease or sterilized yeah. or some fucking shit like that. Yeah, you could just look into this stuff. You know, a lot of times I'm sitting here babbling, but all this, there's, there's a reason for the, the things that I say. And like, you know, besides Bezos, Bill Gates is the most powerful, and he's into being a. Uh, depopulation guy so i'll uh, just leave it at that brother <laughs> my man with that being said i'm not gonna keep you longer so uh we're gonna wrap this up um we're gonna do this again and another two weeks per se hey, 
Yeah, I think I'm gonna think of some topics. I'm, um, have you ever heard of Forrest Fenn? No, I have not. Okay, so then that might be my next topic, just to mix it up, give give a little uh, lighter subject. But just so everybody out there, I don't know if anybody in the chat, anybody in the chat heard of Forrest Fenn? Forrest Fenn. This will no. kind of be. This is a little more light and fun, but so just to lead in and and like I've done so much research on this, my my head hurts just thinking about it. But Forrest Fenslai is a guy who's a famous art collector from Santa Fe, okay, mm-hmm. who in 1988 thought he was going to die, okay. So he took all this these different things and all this like like pre pre Columbian artifacts and like uh, rubies and diamonds and old coins and uh bracelets from Aztecs and weird shit like that and he put it in a bronze box okay and he was going to go out into the wilderness cuz he had cancer okay and and die with this box of treasure basic literally literal treasure like the you know he said there's over 100 US gold coins like double eagles gold you know like real deal goddamn treasure he said when i open up this treasure whoever finds it i want them to be blown away like they just laughed at like ha, 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 ha. i found like <laughs> this is unreal but so so this guy wrote poems in different books um and it and it, it's called the thrill of the chase and forest friend and you could go back and read all his books and stuff so it's cool but basically he went and since he didn't die in 88, which I'm going to, you know, I'll elaborate more. I don't want to ruin the whole story, but he went and hid the treasure. So there's a treasure somewhere out there. Okay. And I'm going to, we'll get into the details. I didn't go search for it yet, but I have my site nailed down and I'm not going to expose the site to you, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to tiptoe around my solve so that you guys can get all the info, but but it, it, this is a cool story. Now we're laughing now, right? Yeah, Ty? yeah, yeah, yeah. Three motherfuckers died trying to find this shit. Awesome, that's yeah. like some goony shit. Yeah, and now their wives, and you know, there's the wife is mad and wants him to call it off, and he's 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 an old stubborn like cool ass dude that he was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'll get into his history. I don't want to ruin the story, but that's my next video. Okay, we're gonna cool. speak on Forrest Fenn. And about this treasure and about I'm going to allude to maybe where kind of I think it is, but this is something in, in my life. I'm actually I might have to take my white ass up and go searching on the mountains to go find this thing, because uh, I probably devoted like a year of my life and everybody I know is tired of hearing me talk about it. Mm-hmm. I try not to bring it up anymore, mm-hmm. but. I did a lot of research. I even I know where the guy lives and what his dog's names are. Okay, so I want the goddamn treasure, bro. But, yeah, I ain't mad at you, bro. But uh, that's what we're gonna get into next time, bro. Something a little bit more light. Besides the people who died, rest in peace to them. I feel bad, but we're gonna talk about Forrest because he's a very interesting dude, man, and some of his stories and. You know, um, people could go out and research him. And I think he's a guy that you could learn a lot from. I haven't read his books and stuff, but um, I've read a lot about him. And there's, like, blogs and websites out there from, like, people. And, you know, like, there's this is a a huge thing. Like, there's hours and hours of videos, and they actually have a podcast devoted just to, you know, the thrill of the chase, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the hunt. So... 
I'm going to have to put together, you know, some notes and get you guys a video, but I have a lot of um, inert information, you know what I'm saying? Just from all the, the months and or year, probably year and a half of research I've done. But yes, I don't want to hold you any longer either, bro. But like, man, I see a lot of people haven't heard of Forrest Friend and just something like that. Like, you know, like a lot of people say, um, like, even though I went looking and found nothing, Mr. Fenn, like you, you gave me a reason to live. Like there's people out there that like, Mm -hmm. are like, man, the the fact that there might even be a treasure or somebody I I might find it someday gives me hope, gives me something to look forward to. So like, it's a very profound story and like, he's really good at storytelling also, but I'm going to do my research and look back in the old forest and we'll revisit that next time we catch up, brother. Definitely. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yes, sir. You know, I always like to try to have something ready or, you know, have look. look. Indeed, indeed, indeed. That's my man, my man, Ryan. Go ahead and get you some, get you some sleep, bro. Hey, you, you, uh, you as well, my man. And I appreciate you as always and the opportunity to come on and and voice my opinion, man. And, you know, express myself. I appreciate you. For sure, for sure. Peace, y'all. Peace.